welcome back to the Business Minds podcast. Today, I have the pleasure to sit down for a conversation with Johnny Lin, founder and manager of Tuesday Coworking, a, you guessed it, co-working space right here in the middle of Schöneberg, Berlin. John, who is originally from Ireland, worked as a freelance translator for many years until he decided to start his own co-working space. What that experience was like, what challenges he faced, especially with the recent pandemic, and what he loves about owning a co-working space, he will share with us in this interview. If you're sick of working from home and you need a change of pace, check out Tuesday Coworking. It's located in Belziger Straße, across the street of the former West Berlin City Hall, where John F. Kennedy gave his famous Ich bin ein Berliner speech. You can find the address in today's show notes. If you like working in a quiet environment with a loving community, then Tuesday is the right place for you. So thanks for listening and let's get to the interview. Right, then let's begin. Okay, so I... Uh, can I still make jokes? Oh, you can make jokes. Awesome. That's uh, good. You're open to make jokes as much as you would like. So, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, for, first of all. Thanks for inviting me on. Of course. Uh, I've been doing this, or I've, I've been wanting to do for a while, getting you on and chatting to you uh, with you a little bit about co-working and the industry, what you think about it, how you got started even with Tuesday mm -hmm. and what's your background a little bit. So I'm really excited to hear a little bit about that. And yeah, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about your background, where mm -hmm. you're from, if they don't hear it with your accent already. Well, uh, um, <laughs> maybe maybe the listeners might like to know who I am. Maybe first, my name is John Nealon. Even that. Yeah. So yeah, I am from Ireland, but I've been here for 15 years or 15 or 16 years and come from a translation background. I did 10 years worth of translation from home and that was always kind of soul destroying. So especially this, the screw catalogs. Um, which, okay. which soul I, destroying, you say? Soul destroying, yeah. You know, like at some stage, I was kind of looking at my life and going, "What am I doing? This is this is awful." And I thought, like, oh, okay, in ten years' time, if I'm still doing the same thing, then I am going to top myself. This is not a fun life. Um, uh, but I, I had during that time, I had worked from a few co-working spaces, and they were always a bit too loud. I thought, and I thought, if I if I do a co-working space myself, or if I create one, then it'll be one kind of tailored towards translators mainly who kind of needs silence or maybe maybe just kind of music without lyrics in the background that kind of thing so that's why uh, why the spaces are kind of so successful now i say i'd say because just there is such a nice kind of quiet worky kind of product productivity atmosphere in both of the spaces really um and but if if you still need to like talk on your phone i mean there's always are, are kind of louder areas for that but they're they're kind of a lot smaller than the quieter areas so that's what yeah. i like about it too uh, when i first came here that it was really quiet could really focus and there's no calls in in a in mm -hmm. the space at least downstairs right you have a, another one upstairs where you that can... was a, an addition that was like our second extension that's what that was so yeah there was basically there was a need for it certainly like an open area where you could take calls but the initial success of the space i think came from the fact that it was kind of tailored towards people who really really needed quiet right. and with our other space our, our original space it was always a really quiet space and then only only like a year ago did we convert one of the rooms which was a quiet room into a loud kind of a talker room as well 
But yeah, you just have to give the people what they want. Is what I've uh, what I've learned over the years. But that was your so your first space was in in Feurigstraße, which is just very small. Mm -hmm. I've never actually been there. Yeah, I've it been. it's it's different. It's uh, so where we are now um, at our, our larger second location is more like an office, and that one there is more like a, an apartment. Somebody's in a kind of street side ground floor facing a ground floor apartment and it's like Jugendstil so like uh, I think that translates as Art Nouveau style um, kind of high ceilings very very cozy kind of thing and that's where it started I mean it start, we started small because we didn't have any money and we didn't really we couldn't afford anything and Madeleine von Mohl is the, the founder of Beta House and she's kind of famous for saying that It doesn't make sense to open a co-working space that has less than a thousand square meters or less than two thousand square meters. That's and, what she said. Yeah, and and okay. we started off with a hundred and something, hundred and seventeen or something like that. It obviously it's kind of progressed a lot, a, a lot, a lot since then, since like fifteen years ago when she started Beta House and there was no co-working industry to talk about at all. But it's like we certainly benefited from how well known co-working was when we started four years ago, and that's how, why we were able to start and get people in the door from day one really mm. and that's why we survived i mean we started with i'll let you know like eighteen thousand euros and like four thousand of that just kind of goes straight away for a deposit you know so right. then you've only got like fourteen thousand euros left and you're thinking okay i need to buy all the furniture so we were actually kind of looking on ebay kind of getting all the secondhand furniture finding crates on the street kind of standing them down and kind of putting them up on the walls and getting stuff like just kind of small lamps and, and things from like old flea markets and that type of thing so i mean it made it made for quite a nice ambiance but it was very much bootstrapped yeah as, as bootstrapped as possible and I mean, after a year, we we were down to our last thousand euros in our account, and we were kind of worried enough where the the next month's rent was going to come from. And then we kind of turned a corner, and then it's like we included this package, this new package, where it basically gave members half time access to the space, which is is what you're on now as well. Right. Um, so, and that's that's that made all the difference. So that was um, that the was, thing that kind of yeah. made that difference that you. Yeah, really. That you turned that corner, and it, it again kind of coming back to giving people what they want. I mean, a lot of people don't want to spend 150 euros a space that they would use for like five days a week because a lot of people don't want to go to the same space for five days a week. They some people still like working from home because they work, might work better from home, but they also like kind of working from an office space where they can kind of really focus and. And maybe sometimes they just on a particular day, they're so busy that they just don't have time to leave the house. So they would need that anyway. So they'd be looking at those days going like, oh, I, I'm paying for a co-working space that I'm not using, you know. So that's part of the, the success of this space, I think, is that I mean, with 110 members at the moment, or well, actually 115 now, I think, I think about 100 of them have the this halftime package. Wow. So almost everybody. Yeah. But is it kind of is it kind of like the idea of, you know, kind of like a gym membership? I mean, you have mm -hmm. so many people. I mean, naturally you wouldn't fit 100 people if, if they all decided to come on a this Wednesday. Is the, this is the only reason it works is yeah. that you're you're overselling right. uh, tables. So you can fit about I think the the ratio that I worked out was like 2.3 people per table that you have. So 2.3 members. Can, is there is there numbers on is there data on this like Or did you kind of come up with them? I mean, I, I analyzed our membership and 2.3 is what I came out with. Um, but there is definitely data and there's like plenty of companies out there as well that will give you that data if you want it. And I have a I have one company in mind as well that uh, I know you could you could go and ask 
can you can I purchase this data from you like anonymized so yeah that's a huge market kind of trying to analyze what kind of return is possible with how many desks and I mean it's, it's so important to a business plan you know to figure out how like if you can afford a new space if you wanted to expand which is what we're, what we're doing right now as well you know I'm looking at another space and I'm just trying to f see how many desks can I fit in there then multiply that by 2.3 and see if that covers the cost of the, the rent and all the expenses so that makes it easier now to plan uh, moving ahead, right? Yeah, yeah. But how did you like going back to the beginnings? Mm. So you had these, you had this budget you kind of saved up with your business partner in the beginning. And then yeah. how did you go about kind of, you know, founding the space and or finding the right place as well? And, and all, you know, all these things you have to do, like how, how did you yeah. kind of get started? Well, I mean, I had saved up money from working as a translator and I knew I would always be able to kind of fall back to translation if the co-working didn't work out. So for the first two years, I wasn't paying myself anything. I was still working as a translator from the space and kind of financing myself through that and keeping the business afloat that way. I mean, how did it start? We just I asked a fr uh, my friend um, if she wanted to go into business uh, with me. Um, and I would always be doing more work than it was meant to be like 80%, 20%, like me doing work, her kind of doing uh, the odd day here and there. And in the end, that didn't really work out, um, but it was certainly a good starting point. I mean, it, it, it's it's working now, you know, it's uh, in, a, in a very good way now, I would say. And we won two awards as well in our first two years of being in operation. Um, what were the awards like? Uh... One was a, um, a survey by a crowd called Twago. They're I'm not too sure what they do. I think they're like a freelancer portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I've heard of it. Yeah, you can kind of... Uh book uh, freelance gigs over this platform. It's, right. Yeah. yeah. And they did a survey back in 2016 um, about the best co-working spaces in Berlin. And I basically asked everybody in the space, hey, can we can we vote for this? You know, can we vote Tuesday as the number one? And they, they kept postponing kind of the release of the results because uh, I think they knew that we were winning. And they just didn't want to kind of announce that because we're, we're a newcomer, 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 no one knew us. And it'd be kind of a lot more beneficial for them to say, like, the winner is Beta House. And Shame like them kind of for doing this. Uh, but I mean, they, they still uh, in the end, they did, um, even though they postponed the, the announcements of the results twice, they did then end up kind of voting for us. So. Uh, or kind of announcing that us, uh, we were the winners. So they um, gave the people what they wanted as well. Yes. So they gave in as well. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> and then uh, two years later, we got the coworker.com, uh, best space in Berlin award. Um, yeah. But I, again, it's just kind of using your capital of, of members to vote for you, you know? Get a um, can you, can you see, is there like a push associated with winning these awards? Is there some... Can you see some correlation there? It's, it's handy to have it in your signature when you're sending out emails that like your space won these awards. Then you can always say uh, you can use the, the very uh, useful adjective of multi-award winning. You can you can use that on, on, a, on a, lo a lot of uh, uh, different uh, communications. So, so maybe I can I, I can start with this. When I first asked you to do the interview, I was thinking about okay, what's actually my connection to this whole thing because. When I was studying business here in, in Schöneberg, I actually had the idea to start a co-working space as well. Or I was toying mm. with the idea, mm. not really seriously, but yeah, I joined the club. I think, I think there's so many people who have no, thought about it. The interesting thing is this, like, this was kind of like a, a story 
um, because back, I think it was maybe 2011 or 10, so like 10 years ago. Mm. And I was reading an article, it might have been Brand 1, I probably know this magazine. I do, yeah. And they reported on this hubs, these like kind of, I don't even know they, if, they, if they call them co-working spaces or just kind of hubs, I don't know. Mm. And Beta House was obviously one of those and was kind of reported that there's like a new wave of, you know, these, these spaces um, kind of, you know, being developed and, and founded in Berlin because, you know, growing number of startups and mm -hmm. everything. I was actually member number 61 of Beta House. You were member number 61? 61, oh, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Did they kind of number that until um, like... Yeah, I was, I was told by the, the founder um, the last time I met him that he was kind of inviting the top 100 or the first 100 members back for like a 10-year 10 10-year 10 party or something like that. Oh, nice. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. So no, but, uh, yeah, but I actually read this article and was like, okay, this sounds cool. I could just do something like that myself. But then I was like, yeah, but there's already like four or five spaces in Berlin. So mm. there's not really a need for, for any other co-working space. So fast forward to like 2020, like how many do we have now in Berlin? That's, that's a loaded question because there's, uh, there are spaces that call themselves co-working spaces and there are serviced offices that call themselves co-working spaces. What defines it then? Like that's maybe also that's, an interesting question. Like. Yeah. That is a very difficult question to answer. I think, okay. um, especially like in the space of whatever we have, however many minutes we have, um, on this podcast, there's, there's, I think there have been books written on like what a co-working space is and what it isn't. And it, my definition would be a space where people can go and work together on different projects in each other's company. That is at its crux. That is the that is what a co-working is. It's developed over time to be uh, something that is that offers members a lot more than just this desk place and kind of this social interaction but you have to but there are like a lot of amenities now that go hand in hand i mean a lot of spaces have like 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 here this this podcasting equipment and right. and video conferencing equipment and just trying to tailor to a lot of different needs in order to get a lot of members in through the door signed up so that you can afford to run your space yeah i mean uh, like every month I, I feel the urge to kind of introduce something new to the member to the members so that they don't lose interest because maybe yeah. maybe next month he'll do something that i'm really interested in you know so this idea of or like even like the events that we have a lot of the members don't come to the events it's like pulling teeth sometimes trying to kind of get members to come to the events or like you would have it written everywhere you'd have it like in your internal email your external email it would be on posters all around the space it'd be on instagram it'd be on facebook it'd be in the whatsapp group and you still find people there at 6 p.m. going, oh, there's an event on? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we need to move the tables. No, what's the reason? Yeah, um, like, yeah. yeah then it's, it's, it's th those kind of events, though, even though the members don't come to them, they, they like that you do these events. And they have the opportunity to, to, to go, They have the right? opportunity to come. And then also this thought, okay, maybe next month they'll do an event that I like, I'm actually really interested in. Right. And that, that thought is enough to kind of keep them interested in the space. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you particularly are very creative about, you know, coming up with new partnerships as well for the space. And I, I think that's, that's very interesting. Having the podcasting room, I thought was a cool thing. Um, just kind of offering different things that maybe other spaces won't have or the don't room. have. The nap, um, the nap room as well. Don't forget. The nap room. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. of course. That's, can, that's can, very can recent, right? Or maybe pre-corona, right? That's when they finished the, uh, the room kind yeah, of. Yeah. In January, I January. think. Yeah. 
and uh, that was dem- democratic. Yeah, I, I heard Nadia wanted to uh, book it yesterday for herself, so I, okay. I'm pretty sure she used it yesterday. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's yeah, d- democracy in action. That's what that is. I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know what to do with that room, and I, I put it to a vote among the the members, and I gave them a number of choices, like six or seven different things that we can do with this little corridor of a space. All great ideas, by the way. Um, yeah, and it was a very very tight vote. Yeah, so for, it was. For, I don't even know if I voted for the the nap room. I thought I voted for the PlayStation or gaming room. I think. You're one of the very few who voted for the the PlayStation room in that case. Okay, that so you that. remember that? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been nice. I think it was like 17 for a te- telephone booth, 18 for a yoga studio, and okay. 19 for the nap room. But I think the PlayStation room, I think, got five or six votes or something. Maybe next time. I, it surprised me. I thought I really thought that would actually win. But well, people here are maybe very much about being productive and doing work rather than playing games. Maybe I don't know. But uh, yeah, so going back a little bit to to all these these co-working spaces. So so they are at least a few hundred in Berlin alone, right? I mean. What I would consider a co-working space, I would I would say that there are probably more around them thirty, Mark. Maybe there are thirty co-working spaces. Thirty co-working spaces that that really kind of fit into into my definition of a co-working space. Right. So um, so things like the like WeWork, for example, would that count as a co-working space in your definition, or like factory, all these bigger ones? Um, well, the factory itself doesn't call itself a co-working space. They call itself a uh, business club. Yeah. Right. right. That's true. So I will, I will let them not be a co-working space and <laughs> WeWork. They choose to. WeWork, I don't know. The opinion is split a, a bit about WeWork and I don't know, a very, it's very serviced office, I believe. I haven't, I haven't worked from there and I, I, I have visited WeWork on a couple of occasions and, you know, it's, it's very big and um, it has everything you need, everything you, you can possibly dream of, you know, and I mean, that's fine for a particular market if you want to kind of have this very kind of representative office space to impress your clients or if you need if you're like a startup and you as a startup want to sell your app to Deutsche Bahn or something and you know that Deutsche Bahn has an office in WeWork you're basically buying membership there to get access to them right so if you're next door to them or something or if you're on like the level below them or something then chances are that you you could get uh talking to them and then one thing leads to another and then Right. You got Deutsche Bahn as your client then. So I can understand why they're successful in that regard. In the same way, I don't think it really um, connects to the original idea of co-working. That's also like a business club in my eyes. Um, right. And it's more focused on on companies as well, right? It's more focused yeah. on... on yeah, they, they shifted a lot. I mean, they started when it was, it was just... I think they were more focused on freelancers and individuals. I mean, in, in fairness, that's the way the co-working business model works as well. You kind of do need a mix of offices, uh, like rental the team offices that you rent out and freelancers and individuals that you would have the, the 2.3 ratio of, uh, worth of members. So, but you, you kind of need a healthy mix as well. Right. You know, um, I think there it could be, it could be a lot higher, like the, the, the office share of that would be a lot, lot higher. So the benefit is having like so if you have a couple of fixed companies as your as your co-working guests so to say mm-hmm. it gives you this fixed income that you can kind of plan with is that one of the benefits or definitely the the contracts that uh, people like yourself are on here are to the end of the month you know right. it's a kind of freelancer contracts uh, or well membership 
agreements is what we call them actually we don't just we don't say contracts but the agreements that we have upstairs for the offices they are a minimum of three months because it's it's difficult to fill an office once they move out so you need you need to, to kind of make it worthwhile for yourself to get new people in so that it's not like you're having to search again like every month for new people so that's i mean but they they, they bring that that stability certainly Interesting. So um, what would you say currently kind of the state of the industry? Like what, what would you say? Like, where do you see it kind of going? I mean, you, you obviously, I mean, if you look at WeWork, you see this, this big scandal surrounding WeWork. That's kind of maybe not shining a bad light on, on the industry as a whole, but maybe more the startup industry. But also if you have this whole Corona, this whole Corona crisis, you shared an article the other day right where it said that bigger co-working spaces they are not quite that was specifically about we work um, right. that article yeah i mean yeah, they've been in trouble for quite some time now anyway um but i think the point that i, I was making when i was reposting that article is, is that the fact that they are kind of global and um as opposed to us like being local and how being local kind of helps you survive these kind of crises like And it's like the, the mom and mom and pop pizza chain mm. or, or pizza store, as opposed to like a big kind of pizza chain. Like you, you, you want mom and pop to survive a crisis. So you help them out and like the, the big pizza chain can go, you can go, go, podcast. <laughs> go flip itself. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why we've come out so strong actually uh, yeah. from the crisis. We were open for members and they came in and, but, but like maybe only two or three members came in uh, during the kind of the, the height, the peak of it here. I would, I think the majority of, I think there's like 90% of the members stayed and kept, kept paying their uh, membership fees, even, even though they weren't coming to the space, basically because they knew it's it like, it was just me. You know, I, I was like, like my business and I was, I was, it was, it was key also just to kind of be very communicative about that, to kind of let them know what the status is, where, what we're doing to kind of make sure people are healthy and, and kind of, and safe at their spaces. And, um, just to keep people informed also to kind of to offer them things like saying, if you, if you can't afford it, then we can, we can talk about kind of half price if you want but please just kind of contribute something uh, just so that we, so that it's a space for you to come back to when yeah. this, when all of this is over. But looking at what Germany did for uh, small businesses, that's actually, uh, that was never really uh, necessary. Um, in the end, what, what Germany provided was, was like, in my opinion, for us, very, very generous. Yeah. Did um, you apply for, for help? Uh, I applied for it because I didn't know what was going to happen. You right. know, I didn't know how long this was going to keep on going. And I certainly didn't think that we would already be back to uh, where we were in February when like there were lots and lots of signups. And I mean, we have 16 new signups this month, which is uh, kind of record figures really so that's uh and the month isn't even over yet so yeah I'm, i'm really glad you are still here and the community supported you which i i think is really awesome kind of speaks to what you've done um here what you've built the whole community because that's also what i like about this space it's more like a family thing because i've been to a lot of co-working spaces and everybody's for for themselves a little bit and it's not much of a community 
it, a lot of that comes down to the size then as well. I think it, it, I yeah, think this true. space is just small enough so that you can you can get to know a lot of people here yeah. um, easily. I think if, if it was any bigger, if it was like 500 square meters or something, then it might be a bit tricky. It might be a bit too anonymous. So I think there is too like many a, corners to hide. And, yeah, and yeah, you know, I think there is uh, the, the secret sauce. Running a, a nice community-based co-working space is, it really comes down to the square meters, yeah. uh, the amount, uh, the the or square feet, depending where you're listening to this. Which is exactly, which is also good because then it means that you don't have to start with a big kind of co-working and then kind of have, have to come up with a lot of money to mm -hmm. found a, a space. You can start with a small apartment like you did. You can, but I would say that you should have some kind of backup job. So, I mean, like I said, I, I wasn't paying myself anything. I was I was still living off my translation work for the first two years. And it was only after two and a half years did I actually pay myself something. And wow. it felt amazing. I'll, I'll add kind of create, creating something and then kind of paying yourself something from it and creating your own job. That's that's an amazing feeling. Yeah. So uh, so you're now doing no translation work. Thankfully. Anymore, right. Thankfully. You're completely yes. off. So you completely off the translation work. It's, yeah. You moved everything to to the space. Yeah, that was the nadir of my life. Cool. It's a yeah. I can imagine it's a great feeling to kind of finally be able to do that after like. And it's so much more fun. Yeah. It's, it's you, you know you kind of you you learn so much. I mean, I I never studied business. You know, I I studied humorous East German literature. <laughs> you know, and. Um, And it's like all the stuff that you learn. I mean, I'm, I'm learning about podcasting equipment. I'm learning how to run a Zoom room kind of TV kind of licensing area, doing your own accounting, uh, doing, yeah. doing all the social media, everything, everything to do with the business is something that I've thankfully actually this month been able to hand off to my new employee, um, parts of it at least. The most time consuming parts of it are actually doing the tours uh, for new members and that type of thing. So I'm able to focus on kind of expanding the business, basically getting the third space going if that, if it, if it works out, if the numbers add up. But yeah, I also met my future wife through the space as well, you know, so it's, It's, it's also a, a nice story yeah yeah so it's it's changed my life uh in every way wow pretty cool but like looking back would you say like what would you say was your biggest challenge in these past years when you you know from the point you first started? i was ready to close after a year after that that first year when my business partner said she wasn't interested in it anymore and i had been doing all the work myself everything and it was kind of really long days as well i was just ready to pack it in because we were not doing too well financially and ironically she convinced me to keep going with the business and that that just kind of that getting over that mental hurdle was probably the biggest challenge for me because like i said we were down to like our last thousand euros and then um then a company took one of the rooms at the other space at a feuerstraße and that brought us a bit of stability and then like the week after as well i the week after i decided to keep going that's when we won, won the first award you know so i was kind of okay that's that was the corner just there i i turned the corner and now now things are, are going to be better and um, I, I think it's just perseverance and kind of, I, I guess it sounds corny, but belief, like having belief in that things will work out. And yeah, that's, I think, yeah. And also kind of maybe just getting started as well is um, kind of this idea of just, just do it, you know, uh, kind of that's, that's what everyone says. Just, just do it. It's difficult to just do it, but um, that was, it's true though. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you just have to do it. And you just have to do it. Yeah. 
what was the first thing you actively did? Like, what was your first step? Can you still remember? Like, It was um, sending my two friends, Monica and Monica, uh, an email asking them if they wanted to join me, my new venture of setting up a co-working space. And one Monica had a child, so she wasn't interested. The other one, who now has twins, was. <laughs> and and she, uh, she jumped on board and um, we basically, well, I actually went to South Africa and worked from a co-working space there and worked for the, from there for a month on the business plan for Tuesday co-working. And when I came back, Monica had arranged a few viewings of spaces in, in Schoenberg um, that she had found on like uh, on, on the websites. And we went to Forest Trials and I was going like, no, this is this is way too small. This, is, this isn't going to work. And again, I, I was kind of convinced, but I said, okay, we can give it a go. We'll stay here for a year. Then we'll kind of move to somewhere else in the neighborhood, but bigger because 117 square meters, it's just, it won't, it's not, it's not enough to, it'll, it'll just about cover the costs, but it would never make any kind of money for anyone. And then like two and a half years later, we were still stuck there and, and we, I finally found this space. Where we are now, and ever since we we got this space, everything's been going fantastic. Yeah, you know, we were able to kind of get that those people off the waiting list. You know, we had a space for them to go to because we had a waiting list at the other space. You know, yeah. and then we we managed to get people here. And I mean, this space is also getting a bit full now as well. So that's that's the idea of of looking in the direction of uh, Wurmersdorf uh, for the, my next venture. So this is kind of your next goal now. Is it's what's next for for Tuesday? Is opening. A third space? I think um, it might not be like just Tuesday's goal. I think there are a lot of co-working space managers, they get itchy feet when they just, when nothing's happening, when there's like no space in the offing, when there's no space kind of, it's, it's the space creation. I'm convinced that a lot of co-working space managers love Okay. And because I, I have, I have like friends who have spaces and I'm saying like, why don't you just kind of make do with what you have? You're obviously, you're, you're, you're doing well. You know, why can't you just kind of sit back, relax and kind of count your money? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, like, no, uh, I'm like that as well. I kind of, I, I really enjoy this idea of kind of looking at new spaces, getting them kind of co-working space ready, opening them, seeing if they're successful or not. And luckily, I've, I've been very lucky, really, so far, and everything has worked out. But I, I really think a lot of people just, they, they love this, this creation aspect of it. And that's, I'm included in that. So it, you expanding has less to do with money, but more to do with just a passion for creating like a, a community or a space where people can... There, there's that, there's creating the community, which is great, but also creating something that's successful at the start I did not realize just how um, how ambitious I, I was. I didn't think I had like a, an ambitious bone in my body. I thought I was like, I just want to kind of make do and kind of be happy with it. And, but now I'm kind of, I really strive after success in a way. And I kind of, I really want all of my ideas to happen and I want them to be good ideas and I want them to, to work out. Okay. You know. That's cool that co-working kind of triggered this. Yeah. So yeah. this is really something that found out was your passion and, and something, something I discovered about myself and the yeah. whole process. Yeah. Because you could have done anything like, you know, you, you decided to do co-working basically. Um, you, you say I could have done anything, well, but I'm, I'm, I'm crippling, crippling <laughs> shy. I, I could not have become a teacher or something like that or, or an, an actor or... There's so many things that I've I'm, I'm discounting for myself. Well, you don't. Not everybody needs to be a teacher or an actor. Or, but yeah, I mean, there's so many business ideas, right? And then, or maybe not. But interesting that you kind of discovered that by yourself that 
co-working is kind of your passion or maybe you didn't even know that when you I, had the I, idea. I knew I liked the idea I, I kind of I played around uh, a friend actually came to me five years prior to my opening of Tuesday and said hey do you want to open a co-working space with me oh really And I was like, um, no, not right now. And uh, then he like he got a job and he did something else. But I, I always had it kind of in the back of my mind. And then having gone to a few different spaces and seeing how they were. And yeah, I, I just, I knew that, okay, this, this is something that interests me. And I was, I was desperate to do something else. You know, I was, I was so fed up with translation. I, I just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. That's fine. If it does, great. I've created a new job for myself and it worked out and it worked out and it's i've been doing great so what are you excited for now or excited for like what's what's is it opening your new space or what's That's what are things the, currently well um business-wise yeah <laughs> or in my personal life well no. <laughs> happy to have this out let's keep let's keep it on the business side <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean um, I'm always kind of, I always have my eyes open for new, new spaces, new opportunities. There's one of the, the topics of co-working Europe, uh, which is this annual conference for co-working spaces. The topic this year, I think, or the, or the main focus is on franchising. So there's that idea, look, looking into that, kind of creating some kind of codex that you would then sell to potential people who would be interested in kind of copying your idea. Yeah, I mean, I've never, never really thought about the idea before but um it's just something that's on my radar now uh, so i'm, I'm going to just be doing a lot more research into that rural co-working is also a big thing as well now especially with corona people not wanting to come in like on, on kind of busy buses and trains and the this idea of uh, more more suburban or or rural co-working is gonna gonna be a big thing in the future i'm pretty certain of that also it's, it is something that i'm I'm looking at, but I'm not too focused on right now. But I, I, I only see more and more co-working spaces opening up, especially with companies that might have to just downsize. You know, they might have to kind of adhere to the one and a half meter rules of, into perpetuity. And that means that they can't fit as many people into their offices as they previously did. So they will be then maybe kind of moving their employees out to co-working spaces, which means that co-working spaces are going to get more and more customers. So I can only see there are going to be more and more uh, co-working spaces op opening up all over the world. And um, I'm not too sure what the figures are like at the moment, but I, I know that there are like thousands of new spaces every month. They um, open every month? Well, maybe not thousands, but hundreds. Hundreds. All over. Worldwide? Or? Worldwide, yeah. I could have actually started a co-working space 10 years ago. Yeah, and you'd be, I, you, you'd, you'd be able to sit back, relax and count your money now. Maybe that or, or start new spaces like you uh, because I like creating... Yeah, I like the idea still, kind of. Um, it's, it's a cool thing. Maybe that ship has kind of sailed. Maybe not if you if you do a franchise. I don't know. I might think of that. Who knows? No, but I think it's it's interesting how, how everything kind of the whole co-working industry has been developing and happy to be a part of it, at least through being a freelancer and kind mm. of excited to see where uh, Tuesday is headed. And Well, limited company. That's that's where it's heading, or right. that's where it has headed this last week, exactly. week or two. Yeah, so no, no more liability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you'll. I'm pretty sure you'll handle this uh, very well. And yeah, hope you can open this third space. Vimmersdorf still kind of underserviced, right? At this point, Vimmersdorf very much so. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So if you're in Vilmersdorf uh, by any chance, man, you should well, see the space I'm looking at. It's look it's, out. <laughs> it's uh, it has like seven meter high ceilings. 
Honestly, seven, seven. I, I, I don't know. What, what, what is this, this room? This is like four, this, four and a half. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Four meters. Then, maybe. then it must be seven because it's like, wow. Um, it has like this other kind of intermediate level, uh, that has like a staircase up and that's towards the back. So you can kind of have two levels towards the back, but like one level at the front and it's just, it's crazy high ceilings for all that creative thinking space. But good space or? Um, it's expensive. But um, I might be able to haggle them down. Okay. Yeah. But it, but it's finished. You know, it's like ready to go. Okay. So I, I wouldn't have to invest a lot of money into its uh, renovation or anything like that. So that might be that that might pay off. And, that could pay off. Yeah. In the long run. But I still think that there's there's a magic number as well in in terms of what rent you need to pay in order to kind of make a return on co-working. I think it's, it's like around between like fourteen and seventeen euros, depending on whether you need to do renovations work or not. Okay. So if you do need to do it then 14 uh, so you'd add like another three euros on for renovation work uh, or like or 17 then for a finished product and I, th- I think then you can still make some kind of money out of it it's gonna be interesting to see well i'm keeping my fingers crossed that it works out and Thanks. um yeah excited to see when the space opens so for everyone that kind of is looking for a co-working space and wants to check it out you can have your shameless plug now and talk about tuesday and where where they can find you and um okay yeah, yeah my shameful plug is oh no uh, shameful shameless no no you you would, you would say shameless I'd, i'm gonna say shameful because i'm <laughs> okay. i'm a very modest, modest man yeah if you want you can come by for a free trial day even and we do that uh, you just go on to tuesdaycoworking.com and there's a free trial day button pretty much on every page so just click on that and then you can come along and or if you don't want to, don't want, really want to come along to, for, for co-working but you need a meeting room or something then you can you can work in this room this is a perfectly adequate room for meeting all your colleagues or even if you wanted to do some kind of zoom chats or anything or if you wanted to record your podcasts you can also rent those rooms that's true i can attest to that it's a very nice room oh oh and we have one four-person office available upstairs oh really yes cool. um that's all the information is on the website tuesdaycoworking.com and yeah we're also we're also really sound 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 is an irish uh, expression for nice nice people oh that's like, that's he, you yeah, he's, he's, he's totally sound yeah sound people yeah that's i i, I can attest to that as well um hey. <laughs> no but i will put everything in the description as well and the in the um, podcasting notes and um so you can check this out and I thank you so much, John, for thank doing you, Tim. this and taking the time. We had some audio difficulties to everyone out there who's listening in the beginning, which was it taking only, it only took five time hours. away. And uh, so I'm glad you, you stuck around and did this podcast. And yeah. No, th- you thank soon. you, Tim. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with your series. What's your series called again? The Business Minds Podcast. The Business Minds Podcast. So you're now a business mind as well. God help us all. <laughs> That's the case. Even though you didn't study business. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And um, yep, until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.